We are here at Maine Fungi Fest 2023 with Spira Laches from the Living Soil Network and Living Soil Company here in Portland, Maine. And yeah, really excited to talk more about soil and the fungi with you, Spiro. Well, it's good to be here, Scotty. It's kind of interesting, actually. Mm. So many different people from all over the place, different mm. ideas. Yeah. And, uh, people doing things. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, and I feel like your message about soil fungi is really well received in this community. And I feel like it's something that folks are really looking for. They're really wanting more to learn more of that deeper knowledge about fungi. And uh, yeah, I'm definitely like really personally activated by the things that you've been sharing and teaching and I'm wondering if you want to give a little like brief overview of your view of the importance of fungi in the soil and how their what their role is in uh, in, in the whole ecosystem. Well, um, sure, I can try. Um, I think the first thing that, that um, most of, one of the most important things for me is that we're here at the Fungi Festival, right? So the focus is on fungi and what we do is work with soil. So, you know, people thinking fungi and soil, right? Actually, it, it's, our message is much bigger than that. Um, we understand fungi as one part of the whole matrix, of the whole soil matrix. What's actually going on in the soil, all the different organisms, and what is the, what is the ecosystem going on in that soil, and how can we heal that ecosystem? Um, as it turns out, fungi has been, um, in, 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 especially in agricultural soils, pretty much destroyed in, in many of them and wiped out to large degrees. So fungi is one of the main things that needs to be restored to soils. But I don't want to focus on fungi. I, I don't want to be. I want to be sure that we don't narrowly focus on only fungi, because we need the whole, all the players, all the organisms to have a healthy ecosystem. So we're looking at a holistic view here, mm -hmm. and bringing the fungi back is part of that. It's a big part, mm -hmm. but it's only a part because without all the other players, just any fungi, we're not going to improve anything. Mm -hmm. So I hope that. So it's really about the relationships between fungi and these other microbes in the soil and nourishing the, their life cycles yes, and nourishing. It's about the whole ecosystem, that whole mm -hmm. you know, gestalt of the whole. And what happens when you get, um, you know, the sum is bigger than the, the whatever, the, to the total is bigger than the sum of its parts, right? Mm -hmm. So fungi is very important, extremely important. But we need to add the predators of the fungi, like fungal feeding nematodes that eat the fungi. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get some of those in there and also enough bacteria and all the other things. Uh, and the microarthropods, little tiny insect-like guys that are insects that actually eat the fungi as well. Mm -hmm. We need those in the soil. And then, and then everything starts to function. There's a great diversity of fungi as well. So you can't just like add King Strafaria spores to your garden. That's, that's not going to do it, guys. Mm -hmm. You need, we're looking at 25,000 species of fungi, great diversity, ideally. So yeah, so I really want to get that across. Mm -hmm. and Americans, especially, we tend to focus on the current thing. Mm -hmm. You know, as goji, goji berries or cannabis <laughs> or psilocybin, whatever it is, mm -hmm. currently, we lock into that. But we're talking about this kind of holistic view. Mm -hmm. It doesn't lose sight of the diversity of phenomena and the sacredness of all phenomena. Yeah. Yeah. 
So how do we do that? How do we start to make steps towards promoting these, uh, you know, the biodiversity in the soil? That's the big question, right? Yeah. So I think more and more I've been um, answering that question or trying to address that question with more of a point of view of uh, developing mindfulness and awareness or awareness mm-hmm. rather than a scientific point of view. Mm-hmm. So we do this, this, and this. I think the first thing we need is open our minds and begin to think more holistically. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've been reading Stephen Heron Booner's work lately, who mm-hmm. just passed away last, this past year. But he has great insights about how to develop what he calls the you know, love of nature, biophilia, where you go. Mm-hmm. And I'd recommend you just go sit in your garden. Mm-hmm. Just go sit there. Don't meditate, don't do anything, keep your eyes open, don't have any agenda. Just sit with an open mind for 10 minutes a day. And don't try to observe, don't try to do anything, just be there and slowly your senses will start to open. We're not talking about doing exercise, just be in your garden 10 minutes a day. Mm. That's the first step, right? And you start to see, then maybe we can have some appreciation for what's going on for nature and understand how to look at things, how to see things. Then we can start to think about what we can do to restore this kind of environments. Mm-hmm. But it all starts with our view of how we see the world and appreciating Mother Nature. It's Mother's Day today. Appreciating Mother Nature, how Mother Nature works and functions, and how we can work as part of Mother Nature. Not even with, but as a part of. Because humans are part of nature. We're not mm-hmm. separate. And what is our role and how can we be in the world in a sane, healthy way, promote healing? And if, if we start to follow those kind of paths, then how we restore the soil will become easy to understand, mm-hmm. become natural. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm hearing there's definitely, you know, a, a step-by-step approach, there's like, multiple levels of starting to heal that relationship and starting with developing, you know, an awareness of what's happening in your garden or in any of your green spaces. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and starting to almost like get to know it's like any relationship, like to really know what someone needs in relationship, we need to get to know them and spend time Mm -hmm. and, uh, and cultivate that relationship over time. And, um, and yeah, I just really appreciate that perspective of slowing down, no agenda. Let's just like be in the garden and you hear in permaculture, the, the first step of permaculture is observation and that leads to, you know, these like next stages of design and things. And, um, I really I like the idea of observation, but just without the agenda, the way he just yeah. said, and just being. Yeah, observation might mean you got a, a notepad uh-huh. out there. Uh-huh. Right? I'm saying just no. Before mm-hmm. you do that, just do nothing, mm-hmm. and then then your ears will open, your eyes will open, and things will come to you. Mm-hmm. And you're not doing the act of observing things. Nature will start to speak to you mm-hmm. and tell you what's what's going on. Mm. Um, yeah, so that, I think that first step is really important. And that feels like, for me, that feels like the really like hard answer to that question of like, how do we promote biodiversity in the soils? Mm-hmm. 
you start by taking the first step and the first step is caring and shifting our like our mindset about it you know moving away from that reductionist view of okay let's just throw some mushrooms in the garden and everything will be good you know and like stepping into this understanding that there's a very dynamic ecosystem here that we're interacting with and it's going to take a while to really fully get to know and understand it and caring and you know yeah, exactly I, I, and for me it comes down to you know how how do we know what we know right how is it that we know things in the west we're really pretty very uh, analytical and materialistic we want to understand the science then how do you get from a to b the cause and effect of things cause and effect right we get here to there to there to there but um in the East and other cultures, it's much more about um, just being and, and letting wisdom occur, which isn't based on cause and effect. It's based on the knowingness of phenomena without having a reference point of needing to know this or that and having scientific data to back up your knowledge. Mm -hmm. the, knowing, the, the knowingness, the wisdom, the self-existing knowing, mm -hmm. and that can come from nature directly if you're open. You, you will know, nature will show you and relate, you can relate and know what to do. Mm -hmm. This is not easy to do, but I think the first step is, is knowing this is what, how we need to open up and perceive mm -hmm. and, and be there. And the way to get, the, get there is through our sense perceptions, because those are the gates. Mm -hmm. So if we have clear senses, not confused, mm -hmm. clear, five senses. I mean, Goethe talked about this in Germany uh, late. 1700s that the best the, the, all you need to be a great scientist were the five senses that are clear because mm. the perceptions that we have are very limited these days but look at the aboriginals they can they could perceive amazing things with their senses mm. because they're so in tune in their environment mm. like they would know by the presence of a certain insect in the soil if they saw that insect they would know that it's that there's going to be a drought, whether it's going to rain. They could tell by, by the environment would give them, they knew, they would know what the weather is doing, the world is doing, mm -hmm. what, what's going to happen in a thousand years. Mm. This kind of ability. Yeah, when I hear that, it, it feels like there's a combination of what's happening there of intuition and this innate knowing inside of them, as well as this culture of wisdom sharing yes. passing down from the elders yes. and I hear like I think a lot of what you were sharing around that observation piece is that first that innate knowing and allow us to like just passively receive and like start to understand and then that piece of the wisdom sharing is where I feel like there's been a gap at mm -hmm. least in my life around this stuff until now mm -hmm. and and I feel like that's sort of your role at least in my life is around this like this developing this culture and then over time I'm, I will step into that role and more people will step into that role of sharing the wisdoms of you know this is what this bug in the soil means and you know these different you know oh look at the stars and you know these different uh, perceptions and using our uh, using our senses um, and it, yeah so I, I see that as like two things is like the innate knowing and the wisdom sharing and then when they come together in a humble clear you know right, yes. way yes. Um, that's I feel like where we can really start to 
heal these relationships. And then, and then we have the, 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 the issue of science. How does scientific information fit into this, right? Mm -hmm. So I think when we, when we have the wisdom, that's, that's kind of baby wisdom developing, we're much more able to see what is a good science and what is corrupt science or what is faulty science and what science is based on agenda and greed and manipulation and what is science that's in service of wisdom. So that kind of science is really helpful. So if we're using scientific tools that enhance our wisdom and enhance our knowledge and our connection with Mother Nature, that's really good. But if we're using science to manipulate and to um, yeah, manipulate and, and kind of coerce and, and attack nature and dominate nature. That's not so good. So we'll be able to discriminate when we have this wisdom. We can begin to discriminate the types of scientific information that we're perceiving in our world. Not just in soil, but all of it that's coming to us. Mm. Same with technology. I think it's really important. Because it gets addictive. Scientific data becomes addictive, so does technology. Mm -hmm. We think we, we got the truth. Mm -hmm. well, who's paying for that scientific mm -hmm. study? Yeah, because we're like seeking this affirmation yeah. of our narrative and we want that, you know, we want to be affirmed that what we're saying is correct. So we're going to naturally seek out the science that confirms our story. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like that's again where the wisdom passing and good media and good news is so important and good like elders and people who are really combing through with an objective lens and like, you know, really trying to, um, yeah, just share good information and poke holes in bad information and be honest about it when it's happening and calling it out, making it public. Like this is corrupt. Right, you're right. This, this is, is not yeah, okay. Yeah. Guys. yeah. Science is great. Let's but choose the right one. Mm -hmm. Choose a good science. Investigate. It's very hard mm -hmm. to do this. Mm -hmm. One of our, uh, one of our great uh, inspirations, Rob and I lived in India for nine years, and we were living in a Tibetan community with lots of amazing people. And one of our great friends and kind of teachers was a guy named Lama Godi, who just passed away in 93 last year. And Lama Godi was a mole master, so he would do the divinations of the moles, and he was quite an amazing yogi. But he had a, a wonderful quote that said, I would rather be born in hell than be reborn as a rationalist. <laughs> he was a magician. Mm -hmm. He did things that I don't want to talk about, but he did mm -hmm. things for the world mm -hmm. that were beneficial and amazing from our point of view. But he said, yeah, mm -hmm. he's would rather be born in hell than a rationalist. Mm -hmm. He says a lot. Yeah. So we get locked into this rational view. Mm -hmm. We can't see. Yeah, I feel like the rational view for me almost, it, it does kind of hearken to that idea of reductionism, you know, it's like we're trying to reduce yeah. everything to this thing that's rational yeah. in our mind yeah. when that's probably happening because the truth is complex and we want to just rationalize vast. it. Vast. Yeah. And everything's interdependent, interrelated. So how <laughs> do we know what caused this or that? Mm -hmm. We say, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, you put that seed in the ground and cause that tree. Yeah, but what about the sun? What about the water? Mm -hmm. Where did that seed come from? What about the squirrel that put the seed there? Mm -hmm. Are those causes? Mm -hmm. Then the causes start to become infinite. Mm -hmm. And there's no end to what caused something. Mm -hmm. 
So we get focused on, oh yeah, I put that seed in there, the tree, look, the cause and effect, that's what caused it. Mm -hmm. and, and we get locked into this. Yeah, yeah, I feel like the the challenge, the re, for me, where that comes from is in me anyway, when I do that, because I know that I do that sometimes, like around soils or different like garden things, like what's happening here? Oh, I just want an answer, you know? I feel like part of that is the relationship between understanding and fear. That when we when we understand something, it's easier to be comfortable. When we don't understand it, it fears it triggers this fear response. Exactly. And we're like, oh, we don't understand it. We don't we're you know we don't feel comfortable anymore. How do we get to this place of comfort again? Let's develop a story of how we can understand. Yeah, that's the exact point where you don't mm -hmm. panic. You just mm -hmm. stay with that uncomfortableness mm -hmm. and that's where wisdom is in there mm -hmm. in that moment mm -hmm. of i don't know oh let's just do something well just be with a don't not knowing sit in there sit down for that 10 minutes mm -hmm. and see what happens mm -hmm. a lot of things will happen in that 10 minutes of not knowing mm -hmm. let the panic happen let the fear and then kind of sit with a little boredom some things are going to come mm -hmm. We find a way. Yeah. So yeah, do you, um, so it sounds like, you know, these are all really great tools for people to like get to that point of, you know, starting to, you know, repair that relationship. Is there anything you want to share about like things people can do in the garden or is it too simple? Is, yeah, it, yeah. is it too, is it too reductionist to even talk about mulching right now or no, no, compost no, extracts? I, I just, yeah, I mean, we got on this, this topic because I think it's important. There's a lot of things you can do. Um, again, it depends so much on what your existing soil ecology is. Um, right now, the tools that we have, as, as that I have and most of us have, unless we're very psychic, which I, most of us aren't, um, are microscopes and things like this where we can look and see what's actually living in the soil, mm -hmm. and then we can determine Gee, what do we need to do with that ecosystem to improve it? How bad is it? Do people put, you know, 20 years of commercial fertilizer in there? It's going to be a much harder job to restore that soil in a quick manner. Mm -hmm. If somebody's been growing organically for 10 years and their soil's just imbalanced, it's much easier to fix that soil. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we need to know is what do we have? What's the ground, literally? And that, that determines everything. So it's hard to say. I can't say one fix. For everyone, generally to grow more fungus, we want to add things like leaf mulch, just a really good thing. Wood chips, not hardwood wood chips, not softwood, unless they're cured for a year. Um, but again, if you're a permaculturist and you've had 20 years of great, you know, really good work on your soil, you may have too much fungus if you want to grow um, cabbage. Mm -hmm. So, again, it doesn't fit every situation. But generally, those are good things to do, mm -hmm. generally. And the best thing to do is inoculate your soil with, with a compost that has all the right kind of microbes in it already. Mm -hmm. So you're adding that whole ecosystem into the soil repeatedly, small amounts, mm -hmm. over six, five, six times a summer, and then once at the end of the year, quite more. That's the really good approach. And soak it in with water so microbes get down to the rhizosphere, get down to the plants, then the plants can start feeding them and that whole underground ecosystem can start growing and growing. Mm -hmm. But it takes a little time to get to a full blown ecosystem. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't have a you know, 
cookie cutter answer for that. Well, it does. I feel like the cookie cutter answer, the the universal truth that I can gather from that is that the, you're you're further expanding that first step of cultivating awareness, where we're cultivating awareness of this living ecosystem within our soils by testing our soil. That's like another further step beyond sitting with it, and then yeah. we, you know, we can get an you know, a test from the University of Maine for the organic matter percentage, and then we can send our soil to the Living Soil Company and, you know, to your business. And um, I have a microscope and I do look at my soils, but I don't really get that much information from it yet because I'm, you know, my business partner is still in the Soil Food Web School and he doesn't fully know. So we still send our soil to you. And, uh, and there's other folks who are doing this work. So these all seem like really like, tangible steps of cultivate cultivating awareness and a relationship with the soil and then those further steps that you're talking about those are based on the information we receive so that feels like really clear to me that we spend a good amount of effort and time cultivating that understanding and then we're humble enough that we're willing to shift our way of being with the soil, mm -hmm. our decisions based on that information we yeah, receive. Yeah, that's well said, perfectly said. Uh, you know, I think a lot of us are do-it-yourselfers, I know I am, which is why I got into this in the beginning, mm -hmm. <laughs> because I wanted to learn it. But at this point, it, you know, doing it yourself can be, it's like, you know, if you've got a sick uh, dog or a sick human, um, sometimes you have to go to a doctor to get better, mm -hmm. or, or hopefully a, a natural medicine practitioner <laughs> to get better. Um, so that's kind of what we, we offer, that skill and that, that knowledge of how to improve things quickly, efficiently, how to diagnose and, and really hone in on what needs to be done quickly and efficiently. Mm -hmm. um, you can do a lot of things yourself and, and maybe things will get better, or maybe they're going to get worse. Probably they might get better, maybe over time, if you especially mm -hmm. follow permaculture principles, mm -hmm. use a pretty good chance you're gonna improve your soil over a five, 10 year period to get really good soil. It's gonna take that long. Mm -hmm. um, where, whereas if you're, you know, you go to someone who knows how to do this, we can do it in a year or two, quickly. Um, Robin, my partner tells me, you need to tell people this because I, I tend to not say that because I really, I don't want to, you know, be promoting our business. I feel like it's sometimes a little conflict of, of sharing and then saying, well, we can do this and this, but, but I think it's true. Mm -hmm. I think we have that to offer and um, you need to say that. Um, and other people can do it as well, not only us. To me, the reason that you've chosen this business and the reason that, the, that you have chosen to be in this position where you are exchanging your wisdom and services for money and helping people see like heal their soils you know as a as a business offering for me there's something really like in your motivations or something deeper than like how do i like how do i have a job you know it's not about you like being like okay i just i just want a job this is a cool job i'll have this job for me your motivations are really around healing the soil and your way of doing that is providing those services with some form of energy exchange. And, um, and yeah, that's just for me when I think about like how 
you know, a lot of your teachings are connected with your business. It's really very much that, you know, the business is tailoring into your teachings, not the other way around. It's not that you're pushing, I, you know. I think that's how it is. I yeah. So. For sure. Um, um, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and also, you know, you're part of this community of people with the Soil Food Web that, you know, are offering these similar services around the country, around the world. And it's something that really what you're promoting is this method. And you happen to be one of the few people in this, this area at this time that's offering mm -hmm. these, this level of understanding of microscopic, microscopic life in the soil and being able to share that information in a way that's, you know, can be translated to tangible action steps. Um, yes, yeah, so I definitely see a, a deep value in it, especially because I have a compost business and, you know, coming from a background of, you know, sort of like farm scale, you know, kind of old timers just out there, like turning the piles with their bucket loader. And, you know, it's like, oh, it's getting hot. I'm going to go turn it, you know, and uh, I can see it steaming over there. And uh, I think it's time to turn it. It's starting to stink. And, um, and that, that just shift of, you know, just very simple simplified just sort of understanding of what's happening in the compost pile to now this understanding of the way that we can interact with the soils and with our compost piles um it just really yeah it, it feels like having the connection with people who are doing the research is just so important it's mm -hmm. like and we need to be able to um you know support that work you know you can't just yeah, yeah it's always a you know i think as Americans, we have always a lot of, um, uh, I, I guess the word I've used is cultural neurosis around money and wealth and exchange of um, uh, nourishment. Mm -hmm. I, I know I do, and I think a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. So I, I, was giving, uh, I was giving talks maybe four or five years ago on soil, and people would say, well, what can we do? I said, I don't know. I mean, I, I know what to do, but I... I don't have any compost for you. I, I can't tell you where to go. Mm -hmm. People were not happy. So we started our compost business. So mm -hmm. we had compost to do our projects. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so that's why we have our compost business going. Mm -hmm. So we can help both the nonprofit projects and people who want to hire us to improve their property. Mm -hmm. we, have, we have the material. We don't have a big business. It's pretty small. And that's the Living Soil Company. Living Soil Company. Yeah, which works in tandem with the Living Soil Network nonprofit. Yeah, we supply the, the um, compost for the mm -hmm. nonprofit projects as well. Great. So. And my business is Diggers Cooperative, and we use some of the Living Soil Company's material to, you know, improve the microbial diversity in our installations. And uh, we even inoculate a lot of our compost piles with your material. How's that going in terms of testing? You test it out? You mean like using it on plants no, or no, testing like? Yeah, we're seeing a lot of fungal threads, uh, hyphal threads. Um, I don't, you know, like I said, I I'm not really super trained up on it. You know, yeah. I've learned how to identify nematodes and flagellates and you know segmented and non-segmented hyphal threads, right. and we have quite a bit of segmented hyphal threads, um, which seems good you know yeah. we also you know one of our main ingredients is the spent mushroom blocks so in terms of microbial oh, yeah. biodiversity that's something that i'm not really able to fully ascertain 
right. uh, just right. because we do have actively growing mushrooms in some of our piles. Right. Um, and the myceliation is pretty prolific because our other inputs are high carbon. But yeah, it seems like we're definitely wrapping up the conversation here. I feel like maybe we can get some last words from you, if possible. So, what is the message for the world? <laughs> the message to the world is to always love your soil. Mm. Love your soil, your plants, and um, open your heart to that, to that, and you'll figure out how to go forward from there. Things will come to you. Mm. Thank you, Spiro. Thanks, guy. That was really fun to do. Yeah.